talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Linz. I am Lindsay, and welcome back. Thank you once again, Potha Passenger, for the intro and outro music. As always, it is such a pleasure to showcase you guys. Today's guest, I am super, super jazzed to invite Kelly Coughlin onto the show. Kelly is a musician, band teacher, singer, actress, improviser, hysterical human being. So happy that Kelly is on the show. This interview just, ah, my goodness. I'm so excited for you to hear this because it just shows you what happens when you take a leap of faith and just take the plunge. Kelly just lives all of our actory dreams in this episode. So what I would recommend, I don't want to give anything away. What I will recommend is everybody keep your spotlight, IMDb, all your profiles just up to date because you never know what casting director is looking for you. So keep everything up to date. That's all I can say. You can follow Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Coughlin and you can follow Kelly on Instagram at actually Kelly C. All right. Okay. Oh, I just can't even wait. Just, okay. Enjoy this episode because ah, it's a good one. Enjoy. Well, welcome <laughs> to the show, Kelly Coughlin. Why, thank you. Lindsay Lucas Bartlett. Bart, Bart, Bartlett. Bartlett. Can't speak today. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. So yeah, I just, I like to find out how people first of all got into the arts because I know that you've been a music teacher when we first met you're a music mm-hmm. teacher mm-hmm. so that interests me because I'm just like how when did you first know you wanted <laughs> to be a performer because you've got a fantastic voice singing voice oh thanks oh my gosh oh my gosh like, syrup. Um, syrup. Syrup. <laughs> you sound American there saying syrup instead of I can't pronounce it the British way but syrup, syrup. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it I don't know I don't know syrup? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't even know if we say so. <laughs> what do we say? I, I don't know, but I remember hearing people make fun of Americans calling it syrup. Like <laughs> syrup. For whatever reason, I don't know. That's something I really like about living here is all those silly little differences between American English and British English. Like It's so funny because uh, even when I lived in England, before I'd even come stateside, I used to say words in American, but I didn't know I was saying them wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't yeah. know I was saying them in America. So I think, because okay, so British people we are meant to say schedule, and Americans say schedule. Other way around. Other way around. Okay, so I would say schedule, but it's schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And then Celtic and Celtic, I used to get those the wrong way around. Oh, I don't know which one. I don't know what I would say. I would I, say I don't know which one's which. <laughs> I just say I don't either. <laughs> Like, honestly and people would be like oh my god it's so American I'm just like I just think it's I think it's my dyslexia like I literally oh, yeah I, I literally just think that's what it is you know the ones that get me are words that don't exist in American English because like different pronunciations like cool I love finding them out but like the first time I heard quietened with the extra n I was like surely that's surely that's wrong because like I would say the quietened yeah, we like we would just say quieted. Quieten. You have an extra. Oh, okay. You know what? I don't. Yeah. Think I really use that word in a long time. Quieten. Yeah. Quieten. Like the room had quietened down. 
And I was like, whitened now. Yeah. But the one that really threw me is Marquee. Because over here, so like coronavirus and all that stuff, what we but before yesterday, we weren't allowed to eat inside. So a lot of the restaurants and things were setting up outdoor patios and outdoor dining and things mm-hmm. like that. And because it's England, it rains. And so they had to set up, you know, tents outside or like awnings uh-huh. or umbrellas or whatever, just in case it rains. And a friend of mine and I were going to go out for lunch. And she was like, oh, yeah, it'll be great. We'll go here. They have marquees set up out front. And I said, what does it say? And she was like, it's a tent. And I was like, what? A tent? So, like, those gazebo things that we call in America, like, you guys call them marquees. Uh-huh. But, like, I've only ever known a marquee as, like, in front of, like, a theater. Like, your name up in lights. Like, starring Lindsay Lucas Bartlett and Kelly Coughlin. Like, <laughs> I've only ever known a marquee to be that. And so she was like, they have marquees. And I was like great what does it say she's like it's a freaking tent what's wrong with you and I was like hold on it's a completely different thing <laughs> see I just know Marquis as a tent I didn't know that other one see I just yeah. I, I just think I'm just sheltered neither American nor British you just live under a rock <laughs> I just live in my own little world <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know what's going on oh, that's, that's a tent oh my god um all right so uh, getting back to how you got into performing because obviously like I said you have this wonderful singing voice so obviously you've been singing for a very long time I've been singing since high school it kind of how I got into performing gosh where do I start it's just kind of always what I did it didn't make sense not to if that sort of makes sense because when I was when I was really young, I switched from a private school to Catholic school in third grade. Fun. Um, yeah, it was the worst. <laughs> I went to a Catholic school too. Oh, yeah. God, I the absolute, hands down, unequivocal worst. Was yours um, girls or was yours mixed? No, no, mine was mixed. Oh, you lucky um, bitch. <laughs> mine was all girls, fucking bitches galore. Oh, God, you. snaky, awful rumor backstabby talk about you behind your back bitchy oh no thank you but speaking of all that I went in third grade and like didn't have a single friend no I had one friend her name was Casey Marshall shout out Casey um (laughs) but but, like it was one of those things where you know when you're the nerdy kid and nobody wants to talk to you and then like band started in fifth grade and I was like cool let's do this actually in fourth grade my dad and I took violin lessons together because my dad mm-hmm. was like, this will be good for you. You're going to take violin lessons. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was, you know, 10, I'm sure. Um, I hated every single minute of those violin lessons. I don't I know why. Violin. It was boring. Oh, it's just, I, bo- I found it boring. It. Yeah. I don't even know what it was that I hated about it. But thankfully, the very next year, so that was fourth grade. So my dad took lessons and I took lessons. So it was supposed to be like this cute father-daughter thing that mm-hmm. I'm sure I just ruined because I was just <laughs> a about it. I hate it, man. But then the very next year in fifth grade was when beginning band started. So thankfully, my parents were like, yes, you can try it. Instead of being like, no, you asshole, you were just a complete pill this entire year on violin. You don't get to try clarinet. Get out of here. So thankfully, they let me. <laughs> so I joined band, and that's really where I like met my friend group like that's where people would talk to me and I wasn't like the nerdy kid anymore and so that's I guess just kind of where it started because that's where my people were do you know what I mean so I started in band I started like a bridged life story I started on violin in fourth grade hated it sacked Mm -hmm. that really quickly then I played clarinet um through middle school 
And I wanted to be in jazz band in high school. So I learned how to play saxophone, which is a really easy like switch. Like you saxophone and clarinet are very similar, like in the fingerings and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I played clarinet and saxophone. And then in between sophomore and junior year of high school, I just, I wanted to switch to horn, to French horn. Mm -hmm. And so I took some lessons over the summer and I came back and played horn for my junior and senior year of high school and ended up majoring in music education on the horn it just kind of became one of those things where that's just it's just what I did that was just kind of like the natural path like when I did so when marching did you band, start singing high school that was another thing okay. too it was kind of like I'm in I'm a music kid do you know okay. what I mean so like so all of that all that combined. was yeah it all just combined so if you were in band you were probably in choir you wanted to be in the good choir so you know you just that I just kind of did that like my senior year I had two normal classes I think I had like English and science of like the core education classes otherwise the whole rest of my schedule was some sort of music class like I had theory or band or show choir or orchestra or choir choir it's just kind of what I did you know what I mean that's where I found my people yeah and so that's just kind of like what stuck yeah yeah so because then you were a music teacher when I met you Mm -hmm. and we met UCB Upright Citizens Brigade Mm-hmm. Um, improv which I just need mm-hmm. to quickly ask you a question I'm not gonna say our teacher's name but what what level did I have you uh four one. Oh, I took that twice who was it okay I remember who okay anyway okay. carry on I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the chat because I don't want to say <laughs> um, oh his never mind because I took it with a guy and a girl so I know oh okay okay <laughs> I've already written I've already written it down yeah, yeah, yeah. um okay it was so weird because I was really excited about doing his class because he was in one of my favorite groups at UCB yeah and I thought he was absolutely hysterical. And he was like, just such a dick. And I don't know if you found this, but I found it weird because I felt like he laughed at every single person in the group, except for me. Oh no. <laughs> and I just felt so isolated and oh. felt so shit. And I had like, I was with Kiki and Matt because we all did it together. Oh, right. And he just loved them. And because we were in that improv group together, um, us two, us, Kiki, Matt and I, yeah. I just, you know, when you just feel like the shit person out. Yeah. And it was like, they're like, funny. And I'm just the odd one in that they're like, okay, you can come play with us, I guess. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it was so weird because I, like, all the way through my used to be experience, I had like the opposite experience. And I was just like, oh, this is so fun. I'm really funny, blah, blah, blah. And then I just get to his. And literally, like, he didn't even try and laugh. He had like a stone face the entire time. <laughs> and I was he just like, he was like, try it, you Brit. Like, I honestly, it, it was, it was like daggers. It was I don't ridiculous. remember that at all. I'm so bad at remembering things like that. Like, I, I fully was like, oh, yeah, we probably took 201 together. Well, it, it's because um, it scarred me a little bit. And after yeah, oh, his, fair. yeah. <laughs> and after his <laughs> class. in your memory because you were like, this is the worst experience. That it really, it was awful. And then I didn't even apply for advanced after him. And then I did another guy's 401 who I'd taken for 101. And he was even worse. And I don't know. one again. Because as soon as I started his class, there was another guy in the class. And we were like, this is awful. Like, he's a dick. So, and they were in the same team as well. Like, two massive twats together. But then, but then halfway through his class, I applied for advance. So the other guy did pass me. And I was just like, oh. Oh. Didn't need to do this second trauma. But. I wish you didn't have to apply for advance. I wish they would have just told you at the end of your 401, like, yep, you made it. No, you didn't. Like, why, why go that through that whole extra stressful yeah. step of like, I have to apply and find out if they passed me. Just 
just tell me yay or nay like yeah. yes carry on or no try again yeah. like if you're gonna have that filter which i think ucb should have like i absolutely agree because i've definitely been on some teams and jams and stuff with people that have like passed a class and you're like should yeah. should you have should yeah. okay <laughs> um <laughs> so i think they should have that filter but don't don't add the extra hoop because it's yeah. just stress you know what i mean it's just like just tell me yeah it's so bizarre so bizarre but then yeah as soon as i got to the advanced level i just didn't really find it as fun anymore it just felt like like some of the classes I did. Yeah. Storytelling was one of I don't know if you ever did storytelling there. No, but I've heard so many people say that they really liked it. I wish I would have done it when I was there. That was one of the best classes or courses I ever took there. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people really like it. Although I also heard from some people that they wanted to like it, but it was way more, oh no, I'm thinking of character. Either way, I, I didn't do character or storytelling. Character I wanted really to fun. do both. Yeah. Character is the one that I was thinking of where people loved it, but that was way more writing than they thought it was going to be. Storytelling, I imagine you go in expecting to be writing because yeah. you're figuring out a story and you're like fine tuning it. Yeah, um, no, you, you do a lot of writing and characters, but I, yeah. I kind of expected it. So I didn't. Yeah. Really I mean, that's um, fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. But then we did, we also did uh, Tara Copland's musical class outside yeah. of UCB. That was so much fun when it was at the clubhouse. It was, yes. I, I feel like I took one of her classes when she was at UCB and it was different. Even though it was still Tara and it was still musical improv, but like, because I think I took 101 and 201 at the clubhouse and then maybe 301 or another 201 at UCB. I can't quite remember what exactly I did, but I remember I took two at the clubhouse and one at UCB and the vibe was just different. Like at the clubhouse, it was just like happy fuck around time where we got to like play with musical improv and then, you know, submit for Coconut Club and all that good stuff. I don't know. Something changed at the UCB Thing. Was it when the transition happened? Because you know how like UCB when we first met was in the other studios, like the not yeah. studios, and then when they went to UCB Sunset, which alas is no longer. So in the no, that lasted about eight seconds, didn't it? Oops. I know. I was just like, what the fuck? I think it'd been there what three or four years. Yeah, it like I don't even know. Target opens. I'm... The target finally opens across oh. the street. <laughs> I was so the embattled target. <laughs> I was just like, oh god, I can't wait to be at UCB and then go to, go across the street to Target. <laughs> Not there anymore. Um, I'm I'm actually surprised they chose to close Sunset instead of Franklin. I'm I'm glad they did because I think Franklin has way more history and I like I love the Franklin space. But because they built that huge training academy with all those classrooms, rehearsal oh, rooms, the the um, Inner Sanctum Cafe with all Besser's art and the, like all they they built that whole purpose built space for ucb's purposes yeah and then that's the one they close well it's it was probably cheaper to close yeah i'm sure you know or it's probably sorry, it's probably cheaper to keep the franklin one open because it's just a tiny little yeah probably and the rent's probably way cheaper yeah yeah um, i just yeah it's such a shame but yeah so musical improv i remember doing that with you that's when obviously i heard your voice <laughs> my lovely singing voice <laughs> um <laughs> So that was fantastic. That I loved. I think that was one of my favorite classes outside of UCB. Oh yeah, easily. So fun. Do you know, I almost felt feel like, and I felt like this for a while after musical improv, because in like 201 especially, 301 a little bit, but like 201 UCB improv, it's so easy to get in your head 
and mm-hmm. overthink what you're going to say. And am I playing the game? Is this going to be right? What do I say? And then you, you either overthink it and don't say anything or you just like word vomit something overthought and overworked. Yeah. But like with musical improv, something that I realized when I was singing something, it was like, I don't have time to think about it because the melody is happening and like the piano player is just like chomping along with whatever. So like, I don't have time to process what I've just like popped into my brain and like came out my mouth. And so if the whole philosophy is like, don't think they should like throw some musical improv in there because you don't have time to think like the music's coming at you. So you can't just go la la la. I (laughs) I think you're right. I think that's why I prefer musical improv so much more because you really just can't get in your head. And I don't, so I think we did two of those courses together, but when we did um, one of the shows together, I had like some family members and friends come and after we were talking and they were all like, yeah, but it was all scripted though. And I was like, Uh, no, we literally made it up. Right. (laughs) And I was like, no, we made it up on the spot. They're like, no, you didn't. And I'm just like, that's the whole point. It's musical improv. And so it was, I think that was probably the best yeah, like you said, the best compliment to get because yeah. yeah. it was such a f- oh, such a fun show. Musical. I don't. I'm so bad at remembering shows like that. Like, I just, I wish I could retain those memories because, like, you leave some shows and you're just like on a high and you're like, remember that song? It was great. They just leave my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so after, because I think that was in 2015. I want to say. When yeah, did you move to that. London? Uh, 18 okay 2018 because I did my MA so you did your MA yeah so if you like talking about getting into acting because I know you said that you usually ask your guests like how they get into acting so basically so when we met I was a music teacher yeah and I had a friend that I grew up with who was like you should try improv I really think you'd like it you should try improv and she kept being like do it do it do it because she was back in the midwest because I grew up in Iowa and I was in LA and she was like, you're in LA, do improv. What's wrong with you? Do improv, do it, do it, do it, do it. And I was like, uh, I don't have 450 bucks to just like throw away this blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Cause like yeah. the classes are expensive at first until you like fully drink the Kool-Aid. You're like, hmm. And then you drink the Kool-Aid and you're like, have all my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I got a big tax return one year. And so I was like, okay. I'll use this tax return money that I wasn't expecting. I'll chuck it out of UCB class and see what happens. And sort of that's what happened. That's, that was my first sip of the Kool-Aid. And so I was doing improv and cause I, cause I didn't move to LA to be an actor. A lot of people moved to LA to, you know, live the dream and do the whole thing. And I just moved to LA. I had a friend that lived in LA. I was music teaching back in Illinois in the Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. And then the recession of 2008 hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, cut my position I lost that job and then I had a friend that lived in LA and she was like come here I think you'd like it and I was like okay so I moved out there <laughs> what I got I mean it's cold here why not let's give it a yeah. shot and there was no jobs to be had because again recession and I was music teacher so like music and arts are always the first thing to get cut mm-hmm. so I moved from the Chicago area to LA in 2000 and would have been 2008 or 9 and actually that's when I went to culinary school I don't know if I told you that I went to culinary school when I was there I do remember that very vaguely now that you say it. Yeah. I went for baking and pastry. I didn't move to LA for that. It was, I went, I had a part-time job working at Kate Spade Mm -hmm. and I figured 
when I moved there, I was like, I have a part-time job, which is a hell of a lot more than a lot of people have when they move to LA. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm starting ahead of the game. Even though I don't really know what I'm doing here yet, I at least have something. So I sort of fell into the culinary culinary school thing because I'd always wanted, I'd liked baking. I went for baking and pastry. I'd always liked it. I almost had done it before in Chicago, but then I was there and I was like, well, I'm not teaching music and there's no jobs to be had. So I'm going to go to culinary school. Loved culinary school. Fucking hated working in the industry. Oh my God. <laughs> um, that lasted six months. It was three months at one place. That was great, but it paid like nine bucks an hour for a full-time job with no benefits Yeah. Um, in LA. <laughs> And then I spent another three months at another job that paid like 11 something an hour that just fully killed, fully killed any passion I had to do it in the industry yeah. because it was just hell. It was during Dine LA too. So if any of you partake in Dine LA, please be nice to your waiters and the staff because Dine LA sucks for the kitchen. <laughs> um, so then I moved back to the Midwest to try and find a teaching job again because I was like, this is not fun. I miss teaching. I want to do that. Moved back to the Midwest for hmm, six months, found a job teaching back in South Pasadena, where I was before I moved here. Hilarious. And I moved to, to South Pass um, in 2012. And so that's when I started doing improv. It was when I was at South Pass. Um, I, I started taking the improv classes. And then, so I was teaching at South Pasadena Middle School and the three elementaries that are in the district. And then the more I got into improv, the more I met actors and directors and writers and people in the industry and acting has always been something that was like kind of in the back of my mind but for the longest time I was like oh people don't cast people that look like me I need to be like tall and thin and blonde and or like Angelina like I need to be the Hollywood type which I'm not I am like short and weird and like quirky um so I was like that's not a thing but the more I did it the more first of all fuck that they do and second of all things are changing so they are actually looking for a lot more different types of you know body types heights ages all types of actual Mm -hmm. humans versus just like the quote hollywood type yeah it kind of got to a point where i was it felt like i was half-assing acting because i had a commercial agent i didn't have a theatrical agent I couldn't really get a theatrical agent because I was teaching full-time and all theatrical auditions are like during the day, they're at like two o'clock on a Wednesday, which I can't just mm-hmm. leave. You know what I mean? And so it got to a point where I felt like I was half-assing acting and half-assing teaching. And it just kind of, it just, it got to a breaking point. Basically something had to give yeah. for me to fully try acting to see if this was going to be something I wanted to do. And in my undergrad degree, I studied abroad in London and I'd wanted to move back ever since. Mm-hmm. And teaching band in schools is not really a thing over here. Like some schools have band in schools and like instrumental lessons and stuff like, but it's not a thing. Like there's music over here, like music lessons, but it's a lot of like guitar or piano or like general music sorts of things. It's not band. Yeah. And I wanted to do band because general music is very different. So I was kind of like, okay, this is the perfect kind of way to sort of kill two birds with one stone because a friend of mine that I taught in South Pasadena with, she went, she took a year sabbatical Mm -hmm. and got her master's in history at Queens University Belfast, and then just came straight back into her teaching job. So she took a year off, lived abroad for a year in Belfast, came right back. And I was like, ah, if Ashley can do it, I can do that. So I applied for the sabbatical to move to London to get my master's in 
theater slash acting slash whatever it was going to be. Um, I did it at Rada, darling. That's right. I was, I was going to say Lambda and I was just like, it's not right. It's not right. Rada. Yes, Rada. Yeah, Rada slash Brookbeck. They were, it was a joint degree, but yeah. Nice. I get to have Rada on my CV. So it's like anybody that knows, it's like, oh, you went to Rada? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so how was that? Oh, complicated question, Lindsay. Sorry, the Rada side? Again. Uh-huh. Loaded gun. The Rada side was lovely. I loved every minute of it. The the Rada bits were great. I knew going in that Birkbeck, because it was basically the, the MA that I did was called um, Text and Performance. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, it wasn't drama school. In fact, Rada's very fussy about it. They're not, I'm not allowed to say that I trained at Rada. I can say that I studied at Rada because Rada. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, I know. Sometimes this like drama schools can be very wanky and it is just funny. It's like, okay, well, get out of your own aspect, right? So I, the, it's called text and performance. And so RADA was basically the, to put it simply, like RADA was the performance side and Birkbeck was the text side, sort mm-hmm. of. So that was where all the academic stuff was, which like I figured, okay, I've been a teacher before. I'm not going to enjoy this as much, but being a teacher helps you be a better student with like the academia thing because you kind of see the flip side of it. So you like, kind of it helps your brain like process it mine anyway I just I the, all the Birkbeck stuff I just it was so not my cup of tea like it was just yeah. academia like like British institution academia like oh gosh yeah you know what I'm talking know, about it's exactly that whole yeah it's that whole thing because which, I also like, feel like people with creative brains like the academic side I it's just yeah I just didn't I did not enjoy that and we had to do stuff like one of our modules was called theorizing the contemporary and the very first thing we had to do was basically saying that you can't really define what contemporary is because by the time you figure out that it's contemporary it's already done and it's like well then why am I in this module that sort of like wanky stuff the whole time yeah okay and also me being a comedy actor coming from UCB we literally studied tragedy the entire year not one time, not once, Lindsay, did we study musical comedy, comedy, musicals, anything. It was pure tragedy. The entire and I whined about that on every single little survey, every single, everything. And they were like, oh, it's because tragedy is the backbone of theater. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fine. Great. I get that. That's... But if that's going to be this fine, you still, you, you need to study the other side. You need everything else. You have to be able, because... If a tragedy is only tragic and there are no moments of like levity or comedy or like ebbs and flows of it, God, it's depressing, isn't it? Like you just, and nobody wants to watch that. You need to have, you need to have a balance. It's the same with comedy. Mm -hmm. If it's just like, ha, 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 the whole time without any sort of emotional arc or any, you know, anything, it's just, it's not good. You need to, it's like yin and yang. Yeah. So, so you went to, you studied at RADA. Yeah, I did not train. I studied you at RADA. studied at RADA. So that was a year, <laughs> but you've been there longer than a year now because obviously the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you... Yeah. <laughs> um, this, is, this is a great story that other actors will hate hearing um, because of how it actually happened. I spent this year abroad, uh-huh. and then it came to a point where the HR um, at my old school was like, hey, we need to know if you're coming back next year. Because if you're not, we need to hire somebody to do your job. Yeah. So I was like, oh, God, I have to decide. Oh, no. Because like the whole year, I was like, do I stay in London or do I go straight back 
to doing what I was doing because I had this yeah. comfortable job that I enjoyed. I didn't dislike it. I loved it in South Pass. So this whole year, that was like the little rain cloud that kept following and finally it came to a head. And so I, I, quit, I quit the teaching job. I pulled the plug, cut the cord, whatever you want to say. And it was fully shitting it, like bricking it. Like, oh my yeah. God, what have I done? I've just quit this safe lifestyle to do God knows what over here. Like, will I be successful? Will I be utterly penniless? Will blah, 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 all those questions. And so I flew home to LA to basically say goodbye to my students because they all thought I was coming back after a year. And when you teach band, like I have them for four years, it's not just like one and done. So you get closer to them. And so I went back to surprise them at their last concert and, you know, tell them I'm not coming back. I'm going to stay in London, you know, follow your dreams. Meanwhile, fully shitting myself, but being like, it's you have great. to shit yourself. You have to, Ooh. it's terrifying. Yeah. You know, but it's fucking when terrifying. I was there, uh-huh. it, yeah, it was, I, I but you're doing it, Kelly, you're doing it, <laughs> but I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> so I was back in LA, um, and I was about to come back here to England and I get this email from Spotlight. So Spotlight, you know, it's the yeah. casting website over here that I, which I've I had never had. And when you told me this story, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to let you tell the story. But when you told me this story, I've literally been on Spotlight for, I don't know, since 2007. <laughs> fucking nothing. 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 No, no, no <laughs> dicky fucking bird. So when you told me this, I was like, oh, that's really fucking, that's quite, that's very impressive. Tell yeah, the story, Kelly. That's why I'm like, this doesn't happen because, like, act, like this is not a thing that happens. And I, yeah. yeah. So I had Spotlight and I was in LA and I get this email from Spotlight because I didn't have an agent. So it had to come like from Spotlight to me. Uh-huh. And the top of it was like, we take every precaution to make sure this is a legitimate email, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, what is it? And I scroll down and I see this message from the casting office for a new show on HBO called Avenue five. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, um, just checking your availability for, I forget the dates um, for our new HBO Avenue five. And I was like, is this real? So being the type of person that I am, I researched the casting office and they had cast. So it's an, it's, it's an Armando Iannucci new I, show. Yep. No, exactly. Yep. He is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't know you were in the show until I started watching it because I love him. And then I, <laughs> and then here I flipped out. Flipped <laughs> out. Carry on. Carry on the story. Sorry. Um, and so I looked up the casting director and they had cast other Armando Iannucci stuff because he did. He shot some episodes of Veep over here and did some other like stuff. And so this casting office has cast his stuff before. And I was like, okay. Is it in London or is it? It's not. Yeah, Alison it's Jones. here. Okay. Okay. No, it, well, it is here. It's Alison Jones in LA, but here it's Sarah Crow. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if I should say it or not. I don't think it matters, but I got the email. It was Sarah Crow's casting office, but Alison Jones did the U.S. casting of, gotcha. of Avenue 5. So it's a little of both, yeah, which also is kind of like, ooh, I hope, I hope, you know, if and when I come back to LA to do any of that, I hope I have an in at Alison's office because she has some good stuff. She's one of my favorite casting directors. Yeah. I'm like, um, I want to be your best friend. Put me in everything. <laughs> please be my friend (laughs) exactly i have a weird crush on zach woods by the way oh he's so nice did you know this is another ucb story to 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 divert the other story um did you know at ucb and i told him this which i don't know if i should have but i think it's an adorable thing he always used to bring in snacks to ucb franklin when he had a show like he'd bring in 
you know, whatever snacks like chips or whatever. I don't know. And so the interns and everybody at UCB Franklin used to call them snack woods. Snack and so woods. I told them. <laughs> So I told him, I was like, did you know they called you snack woods because you brought in snacks? And he was like, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> this is something so. really weird and quirky about him. Mm-hmm. I just love that. I love weird and quirky. You know, it's weird and quirky, but he's also so insanely talented. Oh, he's like he's so incredible at improv and, he's and so incredible smart. at acting. So he's smart. a genius. It's I'm just like, like, it blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Anyway, he's, sorry. Exactly. he's also the nicest person ever i could see um, that's the thing you know when you watch somebody because there are a few people at ucb who've made it onto like big tv shows who you watch in improv and you're like yeah you're really funny but you come across as super fucking sleazy he's the yeah. opposite of that very much so you know what Absolutely. i mean like he just comes across as a really sweet nice genius and so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he i'm glad he is nice because if you told yeah. me he was a dick i would have been like <laughs> no he's so nice he's so nice it it's wild because one day on set we were walking back from crafty and he was right there and he was like i just wanted to tell you you're you're very funny this is really great and i was like thank you zach wood oh Ugh. god <laughs> he was yeah he's he's everybody on that set was actually really nice the only one that was difficult to talk to and that this is my issue completely was josh gad because oh really (laughs) oh and it's it's completely my issue he's lovely he's friendly he's all fine but if you were to ask me when i quit my teaching job like okay kelly let's say 10 years down the road you have made it as an actor who would you want to work with i would be like josh gad hands down because i love him and book of mormon is my favorite musical of all time so i've listened to it six million times Mm -hmm. and like it's josh gad yeah and so like Everybody on set, I was completely fine with. Hugh Laurie, great. Zach, fine, no problems. Like, um, Rebecca Front, like, a dream. Susie Nakamura, yeah. lo- like, no problems. But with Josh, I was like, <laughs> like, I just couldn't be a normal person. So I'm sure he thought I was a freak, which is probably why he didn't like to talk. <laughs> so Aww. my goal for Series 2 is to be able to speak like a normal human to Josh because he's lovely i was just an idiot (laughs) well you know what it happens it happens yeah okay i'll finish the story because otherwise the listeners are going to be like but then what yeah sorry sorry Um, sorry sorry i just got really excited (laughs) (laughs) um so the armando inucci show so i did all my research right and whoever was doing wardrobe fittings like had done wardrobe fittings for sarah like it was all fitting and i was like okay so this seems legit so I emailed back to their casting office and I was like, yeah, free as a bird. What do you need? <laughs> Sign me up. And then about, I don't know, a week after that, maybe a week and a half or two. I can't, it was pretty quickly. Um, I was just excited to get the chance to audition. I was like, oh my God. Okay. So here we go. I've just quit teaching. I'm in LA saying goodbye to the kids, shitting myself that I've just given up this safe job. I get this email for a new HBO Armando Iannucci show starring my idol. Mm-hmm. I get to audition. Oh my God. So then a week or two later, I get an email from Sarah Crow's office again, um, and it's an offer. I didn't even have to audition. They just offered me. Fucking hell. They just offered me this role of Jaden is the character's name uh-huh. um, in this Avenue 5 show. And I, I'd never even received an offer before. So I was like, is this an offer for an audition? So I looked at it and I was like, wait, this is like a part. I've been given a part of this show so the the role was originally five lines in episode five but 
the way that Armando works, he's very improvisational in yeah. stuff. And so we went for like read throughs and like stuff happened. So um, I've told this bit of the story so many times because it's it was actually part of my dissertation show was this whole thing. It started as five lines. It grew into 10 lines in that episode. And they liked me so much in that one. They wrote me into episode eight. Oh, how many pages? I've told this story so many times and now I forget. I was in over half. I was on over half of the pages for episode eight and so like it grew into this like huge thing that like if you've seen the show episode eight the airlock scene yep. like it's it's Jaden's fault like <laughs> like that's yeah. it's my fault so i like it's the whole inciting incident blah 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 so it like and grew it into exactly this thing the they really yeah. liked me mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it grew into like because they liked me and like that's the thing you don't book the job you book the room yeah. And so when I booked that off of just my showreel, which was just some random sketches from other UCB friends, like it wasn't even a, like it was a good showreel, obviously, but yeah. it was just like some random sketches. So you book the room and so you, you show up, you do your job, you do the best you can. And if they like you, they keep casting you and write you for more stuff. And yeah. so that's exactly what happened. And then series two should be shooting. It should be done already. Actually, they were supposed to be shooting November through April. Mm-hmm. So in October, I was actually, um, we did some read throughs of the scripts and so I already know we haven't shot it yet because shot any of it yet because they shot a couple scenes in December and then the couple of Americans, cause they didn't fly out the whole cast um, flew back for Christmas. And then we were supposed to start in January, but then we got locked down again. Yeah. So I'm going to shoot again in August, but in the read throughs, I've already seen, I'm going to be in six out of nine episodes at, at least I mean they might write me I mean who knows because it changes so much but so I was in LA saying goodbye to my life and this thing falls into my lap which is literally the dream it is from oh, my no, show like I think I already told you but when I did already tell you but because I, I just love that creator I love that mm-hmm. cast I've seen you know it's just like because you've seen in the loop I'm assuming you've seen in the loop uh no no i haven't i was thinking in the thick of it but no i have not seen in the thick of it is basically in the loop it's a film version basically okay no i have not seen in the loop i've only seen the thick of it okay in the loop is like one of my favorite favorite films there oh my god is that armando too it must be we're talking about armando okay and you've heard of like alan partridge and all that stuff he's like he's a comedy icon he's a legend He's yeah. absolutely a legend. Yeah. So he's even, also he's, very nice. Oh God, just oh, I love it when people are nice. And not he's so nice. He's this short little. He's this short little Scottish Italian guy, that, that like everybody calls him Arm. They don't even call him Armando. They're like, yeah, Arm wants to do this. Arm wants to do that. And I'm like, okay, Arm. Oh my God. <laughs> but like, he's just he's he's a surgeon with comedy because like the script will be great because the writers are all very funny. Yeah. And then he'll just be like, he'll come in and be like, what about this? And then it's just yeah. like poof, 10 more times funny. Oh, it's just incredible. Yeah. Well, that just must be such a fun show to work on. Yeah. As well. it's, oh. it's genuinely the dream because everybody on set is so nice and so funny. Um, from all the way from Armando, the creator, to, you know, everybody, all the cast and crew and yeah, yeah it's it's genuinely the actual the, like the dream and the yeah. fact that it landed in my lap at a point in my life where I was questioning did I just fuck everything up like if for those of you that believe in fate and the universe like this was like the universe saying like yep you did it right good job here you go yeah <laughs> but don't you just think that is such a telltale sign that you are meant to be 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Acting and you are meant to be performing. And we second guess ourselves so many times. Imposter syndrome. It is imposter syndrome. And it's so fucking annoying because it's just like, shut up. Do you know what I mean? Because the only one that thinks that is you. Yeah. But and if somebody else thinks that about you, you wouldn't have been cast for it. Like, yeah. like because you weren't right for it for whatever reason, X, Y, Z, whatever. Yeah. It's such so a annoying. it's such a bitch, the imposter syndrome, because it's impossible to escape. Everyone, I think, gets it. I th- I, th- I think you're right. I think everyone does get it. I just think I feel like if you don't get it, you're levels. a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just such an annoying piece of shit, fucking garbage thing. God. <laughs> piece of shit fucking garbage thing yeah. well said <laughs> i'm so articulate <laughs> gosh. yeah it's just oh gosh i don't know why it happens but you know i mean i've listened to a bunch of podcasts about it and like researched it because there was one point where i was just like what is going on and i was just like oh this is what's going on i feel like it's at the root of it it's it's self-esteem yeah because an ego at some, uh, you know, self-esteem slash ego or whatever you want to call it, because I don't think there's anybody in the whole world. I mean, I could be wrong. There's probably somebody, but that like thinks I am the greatest. Well, there are narcissists, but if we count them aside, yeah, everybody in the world has some sort of something that they want to improve about themselves, whether it's, yeah. you know, any, like anything, it could be everything like from your nose to your laugh, to your, whatever you write you know what i mean there's always something that you want to improve on yourself and so it's that self-esteem thing of i'm not good enough Mm -hmm. like getting in the way that makes sense yeah i don't know i basically just described imposter syndrome i did not explain why it happens (laughs) 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 i also think it's a lot of people who get into your head as well yeah and it's okay so i'll quickly tell this story but so um i filmed my first co-star on friday that's right yeah you did yeah it's like you know when you're just like it doesn't seem like a big deal to some people but to me i was just like yes i'm finally here i'm on set i missed yes absolutely yeah and so i was it was just so much fun but then like i didn't know if i was gonna have a line or not because they said it was a heavily featured co-star role okay so i was just like okay but the person producing is into improv. He was actually one of a UCB person, like way back, not the four, but like he mm-hmm. was in a UCB um, improv group before like they disbanded or whatever. Okay. And so I get onto set and the director's like, because I have my line prepared if I'm going to say a line, because in the audition I had to say a line. And mm-hmm. they're just like, just add a little line. So, and then obviously I'm doing it in American. So I've got my coach like on the phone being like okay this is what I think I'm gonna be saying if I say Mm -hmm. something I might not be saying it get on set I say the line the guys the director's like say this line so then I'm saying I say a different line but then I'm so like I mean obviously I'm mic'd up I've got the boom and it's like it's a very intense scene they want it super grounded super real and it's very like sad it's a sad scene because I'm really good at sad stuff I'm really good at (laughs) I can cry like that Tragedy is the backbone of all theater, Lindsay. Nothing else is more important. God, but I love That's it. what we call a callback. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but I, and I did, I did the line 
Mm-hmm. And I did, and I think, I don't know if it was because I was so nervous about this being my first like co-star role or what, but I had like, there's a few people, I think like two people in my head from way back. I'm talking from like 12, 13 years ago who mm. are American, who would always speak to me in British. And when they spoke to me in British, I would always be like, cool. I would Why never... would they speak to you in a British accent? Like that just sounds you know like- annoying people are sometimes yeah. you know, hello Lindsay you're right then hello love that whole it's, thing it's because they were <laughs> trying to practice their British accent oh uh, okay but, all right but what you just did is, is exactly what they were doing <laughs> like it was That's so like ugh, <laughs> great your brain typical <laughs> bullshit like stereotype all right governor do you know what I mean yeah. like are you a fucking cabbie from south of the river because if not don't speak like that <laughs> but i would never say anything i'd be like yeah cool that's a great whatever because i'm not gonna be like it's really bad but yeah when it was my turn to do american to them they'll be like it's not american it doesn't sound american of course don't know, it what does. You, don't know what you're doing don't know what you, you don't know what you sound the fuck like is that yeah, but why are you even an actor? Why are you even here? Why are you even here? Why do you even exist? Oh my god! Go back to where you came from. Go back to your mother's oh. womb. Don't give it. Oh my god! Okay, Lindsay, calm fucking down. Oh, sorry. Uh, but those people's head uh, voices got into my head, and even though I did it and it was mm-hmm. all fine, I feel like I could have done. Like when I left set, I was just like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. It's a one-line fucking thing. I'm meant to be yeah. sad. It doesn't have to be loud. I don't have to be shouting. I don't have to be doing this, this, and this. It was more than a word. Like, they, no one said anything. No one said to turn it up or anything. Yeah. I then had, like, counseling session from one of my actor friends. They're like, you're mic'd up. You're boomed. If they ask you yeah. to speak up, did they ask you to speak up? I'm like, no. And I was like, it was also part of the scene because we're meant to be really sad. And yeah. they're just like, calm down. Just stop thinking about it. But yeah. I, th- I think that adds to the imposter syndrome when you have had scenarios like that when people have just been complete cocks yeah absolutely because that's what creeps into your head is that whole if, if especially with like the accent thing is like if somebody has said oh, that's a terrible american accent when you're trying to do an american accent in front of the beginnings of the dream like the first mm-hmm. step on the elevator you're like oh god but it's not american and they're all gonna know yeah. it's that whole it's, it's that whole they're all gonna know that's for me that's what imposter syndrome is it's they're all gonna know They're all going to know that I'm bad. They're all going to know that I'm not enough. They're all going to know, like, that's, for me, that's what it is. They're all going to know. They're all going to know I'm fake. They're all going to know that I'm really bad at everything I've ever done. (laughs) God, we're such tits. Oh, it's awful. It's so awful. But that's exactly, gosh. Anyway, I had a great time. And I hope you don't feel like that on Avenue 5 because. God, no. Feel it. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited um, for season two. I know I am too. I'm re- I'm so ready to be back. And honestly, it's been really, I'm so incredibly lucky and incredibly thankful that I have it mm-hmm. because I mean, when that pandemic hit, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like I'm over here in London. I've got a visa so I can work fine. But if the an industry that I moved over here to do yeah. isn't here, why am I here? Like, why did I quit this? Like that was through all of that into question again. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't ever think about moving back to teach again. Cause I was like, no, I've just quit this because I'm going to try acting. So like, this is just, 
you know, I have to wait until whatever this is blows over and we can resolve and move forward. Yeah, it's that like that whole year of is this actually going to happen or not? Yeah. After the Avenue Five first thing did. And so it's like, will it get renewed? Yay, it got renewed. But it's that whole thing of like, when the first season was airing, will season two get renewed? Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Hooray. Will I be in it? Because you don't know that. But then mm-hmm. I got that call. So like the fact that season two has been a light at the end of the tunnel for me after all of this, it's like, no, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be acting. The <laughs> the footage for my reel from season one to like finally have a, a reel that wasn't just like sketches with friends. I was like, mm-hmm. finally, I have like TV credits I can put onto a reel. Um, the footage from that hit in March of 2020. So didn't really go anywhere because that's exactly when everything shut the fuck down. Yeah. So it was like this thing that was supposed to be my big, like the big break or whatever to like, finally like, okay, look, I've done this now cast me in everything else. Right. Just kind of didn't go anywhere because everything shut down. And yeah. so I think it still will. It will. Hopefully. I mean, you hope. It's, I mean, everything shut down for everybody. And yeah, exactly. You've literally got this huge credit under your belt and it's not yeah. like a tiny thing it's a it's it's huge kelly it's a good one it's, yeah. it's i still can't believe how it actually happened if other actors are listening i apologize for that because that doesn't happen and i'm sure you hate me <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it happens more often than people tell you know what i mean yeah true so yeah. um but it's been so nice to have that light at the end of the tunnel because i know that it's coming i know that it's going to be there so amidst all the other bullshit of this year like the survival jobs and all that stuff that sucked to get you through it's like okay but this is coming like there is a light which is really nice well i'm very excited for you to uh, to film season five when you do i'm just you don't have to do this as yourself i'm channeling myself through you go up to zach woods <laughs> take a selfie and be like it's for my friend Lindsay and her husband grant because they both love you okay so if you do it like sure. that, send you a video oh please please honestly he will I'll pl- he totally will because um because andy buckley's on the show too right so uh-huh. david wallace from the office yeah who's also i love andy andy calls me kelly davenport and i call him andy boston because <laughs> i'm from davenport and he's from boston um <laughs> oh i forgot when he was i was in that as well sorry yeah he's frank yeah but oh do you had... know what the reason why i didn't put two and two together is because i hadn't seen the office then ah, i've never okay. i've never, never seen the american office until the pandemic hit and then we Ooh. binged the entire season oh, the, for the so whole series. Good. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, I'm a little jealous that you got to watch it for the first time. Like, all it's, like that. That's I want to watch it again. I just. Yeah. It holds up. Every episode holds up. Oh, um, Dwight. And oh, my God. I could, anyway, th- this is a whole other conversation. <laughs> 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 but I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but so, yeah, Andy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Andy was very willing because i had a couple friends that were like in the ma that are office super fans and so andy did a video for my friend chaz and then he did another video for somebody else and zach happened to be walking by and stopped and did the video with andy too so like i'm sure zach would be like what's up Lindsay and grant he's so he's so absolutely delightful and it's so funny as well because um rebecca front way back in the day i think i would have been like 14 15 she did a bunch of stuff with steve coogan like a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff like steve coogan's really early early on stuff and so when i saw her in it i was just like oh my god i just you know when you've forgotten about somebody yeah totally and i was just like fuck i remember her and she's yeah. just like 
my 14 year old self I was like oh I wouldn't be doing that so yeah there's a real classic cast I had no idea because I didn't I don't know British celebrities like I'm starting to know them more now but like Rebecca Front was big in like the Steve Coogan things and like the thick of it and stuff like that but I didn't know any of her American work so she was you know she was great but she was Rebecca like I didn't know anything about her really before the set American stuff I Um, know all the Brit stuff I don't think I don't think she's done much of it I don't I don't know but I didn't know really I didn't know her background and so there's this scene in episode five where Frank like goes up and accidentally like punches the captain for whatever reason and mm-hmm. so Rebecca had to well, she I wasn't in the scene at all but I was in the background basically and so she was like she's like I'm gonna talk to you during this because I need like some business to do before I go up to get Frank because I need to like I need to I need to stop before I just go mm-hmm. and so I was like okay cool and so she stopped and she was like you need to stop doing this and I was like yeah what are you gonna do about it like Frank's a big hairy pussy with a giant huge bush like like just doing that just being like in character like trying to rile everybody up because that's what that whole episode was it was like that was the shit him out episode where I was like riling everybody up and then (laughs) that night I went home and I started looking and I was like I just said all that stuff to a BAFTA winner like oh there's my I was like I just had a full like moment about a giant hairy bush with a BAFTA winner she probably loved it she probably I'm sure she loved did. It. it was fine but I she was probably like... went home and was like you would never guess what this this Kelly said to me today and it was absolute genius so you never know I don't you think she would have been, I don't think she would if you've seen Rebecca's stuff I don't think she would have been offended by that no oh I'm sure she wasn't like because it was totally fine and it's totally like like everything yeah. was fine but it's just like I got home and I was like <laughs> I know what you mean. She's not a BAFTA. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Dear, well, Kelly, I can't wait for season two. I can't wait for all the stories. I can't wait for it all. Me too. Thank I'm you so for excited. Coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. It was a lovely conversation. It was. And once again, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing that insane, insane story oh my goodness I don't know about anybody else I can't speak for anybody else but you're living my 13 14 year old self's dream so thanks Kelly keep it going can't wait for season two all right everybody thank you for tuning in like I said at the beginning of the show keep your spotlight and all your acting profiles up to date so important all right and imposter syndrome fuck imposter syndrome we're all good enough. So just remember that. Keep going. Never give up. You are amazing as you are. Blah, 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 blah. We all need to hear it, don't we? So there you go. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye.